welcome to the official Black Country Healthcare podcast, Mind Over Natter. This month we're going to be talking all about suicide prevention and today we're joined by three of our incredible staff members who support us across the Trust. With their lived-in experiences of mental health as well as training on suicide prevention and supporting our communities, they're the perfect stars for today's podcast. Would you like to start things off with a little introduction? Um, hi, I'm Kay Higgins and I've been working for Black Country Healthcare Trust for um, two years now. I'm a mental health first aid instructor and deliver most of the MHFA training for the Trust. And I'm also a suicide first aid intervention skills um, trainer. Hi, I'm Emma Hayes. Uh, I do very much the same as Kay. I'm a mental health first aid and suicide first aid instructor for the Trust and I've been here for two years. Hi, I'm Dave Stocks. I'm a suicide prevention community development worker, but I'm also a service user and a suicide survivor. Um, so I, I sort of bring my own lived experience uh, to, the, to my role. Um, I've worked in the Trust for a number of years in various roles, um, but this is the one I'm most passionate about, uh, hoping to save more lives and make a difference. Welcome all and thank you for joining us today. So as mentioned, today we're going to be discussing suicide prevention and how people can look after their mental health and well-being despite the last difficult 18 months. We understand that this is also an incredibly important but sensitive topic. So in light of this, we will be providing tips and advice for friends and family who want to be a support for those around them too. We know that COVID-19 and the way life has been for the last 18 months has had a huge impact on people's mental health. What would your guidance or support be for those who are struggling to adapt and feel like they're struggling from day to day? Um, my, my advice would be to focus on the here and now. Um, yeah. don't, uh, don't worry about um, what's gone on in the past with um, COVID or what may happen in the future so it's essentially mindfulness yeah but um it's by focusing on the here and now it, it takes the covid out of it um and try and do things that you enjoy so um this is something that i use myself it, it's um what i would call a distraction technique mm -hmm. so if you're, you're fretting about covid or um isolation for instance uh, try and uh, do things that you enjoy. For me, that would be walking nature, um, uh, photography, mm -hmm. fresh air and exercise. Fresh air and exercise is also proven to improve your mental well-being. So it's 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 great if you if you do enjoy that um, to to make the most of it. Um, if you can get out in the countryside, brilliant. Um, otherwise, go to a public park. Um, just find some green space wherever you can near where you live. Um, that's that's my advice. Being you know, keep focused on the here and now, yeah. and uh, also just remember that you're not alone. Other, you know, there's billions of people on this planet going through the same thing, mm. so you're actually not alone in that. I, I tend to agree with everything you've said there, David, and just feeding into that, I think by talking to others as well, don't be afraid to talk and share with friends and family, loved ones, 
um, just share how you're feeling, share your emotions, yeah. that can really help. And I think but just as you, if you mentioned there, um, David, with coping strategies, that can be different for different people. Um, you know, simple things like going for a walk, out in nature, really, really good. Um, perhaps, you know, trying a new hobby, arts, crafts, all those can really act as really good um, distractions. And I think once a person can see that, you know, they've got that sort of, they're in control, um, that really helps their self-esteem and their confidence and that they, it reinforces the fact that, you know, that, that they're, they're okay. Um, and I think it makes positive difference. Yeah. Yeah, I'd add to what both Kay and David said and just say that uh, self-care isn't selfish, so don't feel guilty for taking that time for yourself to look after your own well-being because it's been quite the, quite an intense 18 months and it's really important we are taking that time just to really prioritise our own well-being before we can help other people too. Yeah. Um, so like you said, Kay, about speaking to friends and family, if um, a concerned friend or family member believes that they've spotted the first signs of someone in crisis, what guidance would you give them in order to start that conversation? Sort of what tools would they need? Um, I think it's it's talk talk to them and have a human to human conversation. Um, I think that's really important. And to actively listen is really important without any judgment. I think it's about not trying to solve all the problems all in one go. Um, they're not asking for that. And sometimes just for you to listen and for them to be able to offer there can just be an, enough for that person in that moment. Um, what I would say is try to avoid that the, it's coming from a kind place but we tend to say um, what you need to do is I try to avoid statements like that I think it's really important that we actively listen um, to that person and sometimes listening can be more important than talking yeah I would just add to that Kay um, just to recognize the fact that if someone you think might be having a tough time try and reach into them because it can be really hard to reach out for help when you're feeling really overwhelmed mm -hmm. and reaching in just takes a little bit of that that barrier down to starting that conversation reassure them that you're in their corner that they're not alone and just remind them as Kay said that talking can really help um, you don't necessarily have to understand how that person's feeling or why they're feeling that way but just get how it's making them feel and if you can reflect that and reflect that you're in their corner then that's going to make a lot of difference to the individual just add into that Emma as well um, if if someone does open up to you um, try not to look surprised or, or, or shocked um, listen but if you don't know what to say that's fine at that moment in time you know you can actually say to that person I don't know what to say to you right now but I'm so glad that you've told me yeah um, what, what I'd also say is it's difficult sometimes to broach the subject so having a a, a way of approaching the subject, um, a, a, question, a prepared question may, may help. Um, I could give you an example. I've noticed you don't see yourself recently. Sometimes it's difficult to talk, but I'm concerned about you and I'm here to listen and help in any way I can. That's just a way of opening up that conversation to, yeah. to broach because some people find it very difficult to find the right words. Yeah. So. Um, that is a one example, and uh, I'll, I'll probably talk a more about this um, as we get further into the podcast. Yeah. Well, like you said, Dave, you can ask somebody how they're feeling um, quite a lot, and we perhaps even get asked a dozen times a day how we're feeling. Um, but 23% of us in the UK think that when the person asking us how we're feeling isn't genuinely interested in our response, and 80% of us lie and say that we're fine regardless. Um, some of us may have heard about the concept of ask twice. 
are you able to explain what Ask Twice is and how it can help with starting a conversation around mental health? Yeah, um, Ask Twice is uh, something that I'm very passionate about and will be promoting at an event that we're having on the uh, 10th of September, which is World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, and there will be details in this podcast, um, attached to the podcast and at the end to um, find out more about the event, but I do encourage people to join the event. Ask Twice is... Um, if you get asked, how are you? Yeah. Your uh, usual response is, I'm fine. Uh, we're programmed to do that. It's, you know, society has put that into us. Um, and it's actually quite often not the case. Um, so ask twice is then asking again, but um, sincerely. Mm-hmm. So. If you just simply ask, how are you, really, it gives that person the chance to open up um, and unload any um, anxieties, issues that they may have. It's as simple as that, that key asking twice. It, it, could, it could be the difference between um, someone bottling up and becoming suicidal or someone actually opening up and mm-hmm. getting the help that they really do need. Yeah. Would you like to add anything, guys? I think just to sort of feed, feed into that, um, Dave, that, you know, just being mindful, because it can be a scary question to ask. Um, and, it, you know, I think for some of us, we're, we're almost scared of the answer when we, when we ask, but it's really important that we do. But I think it's bearing in mind, the person asking the question, you don't have to fix it all. Yeah. Um, you've opened that door for that individual to open up to you um, and you're, you're building on that trust um, and I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I, I, would, I would add that, you know, asking twice does mean that you are genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to ask twice, you do need to be yeah. genuinely interested. You need to be committed to, to helping that person, um, yeah. but not afraid. You know, there's plenty of tools and resources that um, can be provided to signpost someone if they need that help. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, these again will be covered in the event we're having on the 10th. Um, and uh, possibly in the podcast we can add some tools and resources as well. Um, yeah. So uh, don't be afraid to ask, ask that question um, because signpost people to get the help that they need but it's important to ask that question and then actively listen you know listening is the key thing if people feel listened to then they feel valued so just actively listening is is so important yeah so for anyone who um wants to pursue asking twice but is worried that they might not have all the answers what support would you give them um, if somebody then decided to open up to them? Are there ways that we can all be better to pre- prepare to have these open and honest conversations? Well, Time to Change suggests three following tips um, to initiate that conversation once you've asked twice. The first one is that an open ear reduces fear. Just stressing how listening to someone can lift the weight of the world from someone's shoulders a little. 
And the second one is be a friend, don't mend. So what your friend might need is for you just to listen rather than wade in with, as Kate said, the what you need to do with is responses. You can ask your friend whether they just need to vent or whether they want your support in looking for options to help with how they're feeling. And the third point that, that Time to Change suggests is that it's easy to say it sounds tough, meaning that just a little bit of empathy goes a long way to help reduce those overwhelming feelings of isolation. Yeah, I would agree with the empathy side. Yeah. That's something that uh, I personally have bucket loads because I come from that situation. Mm -hmm. So if, if you do have your own sort of uh, lived experience in any way, and then use that to um, build that empathy because it, it, it's invaluable. Something that I've found over the years is peer support, someone that's actually been through it, um, is so uh, um, invaluable. It's what's got me to where I am now, yeah. is that, is that uh, sharing, it, sharing with someone that's actually been there themselves. Mm -hmm. So if any empathy you can offer, it doesn't have to be just lived experiences myself, but any empathy is invaluable. Sometimes in the aftermath of suicide, those left behind often feel surprise or shock. To them, their friend or family member or colleague showed no signs of taking their own life. How do we, as individuals, make sure that we're supporting those around us? Are there any subconscious signs that people often miss? My thoughts on it is that, um, yeah, I, I, can be signs and I think part of that is because um, suicides can and do happen out of the blue but um, no signs at all are quite rare and there are there is some research that tells us that 85 to 95 percent of people thinking about suicide will show signs whether that's consciously or unconsciously mm -hmm. but remember they, they can choose um, not to show those to loved ones um, or family or friends or members just to protect them um, from you know from that pain yeah so some of the subconscious signs might be talking or writing about death um, they may withdraw from certain um, future plans organizing giving possessions away can be can be warning signs um, and the one that one of the, the warning signs that's um, has, has stood out to me in past experiences on is unexplained recovery and this can be that if you know you are supporting someone that's had a particularly tough time you're very low and very very down in mood and there's a sudden shift in that mood mm -hmm. this can sometimes be um, a warning sign yeah uh, so they could be presenting that that mood changes but it's almost as if suddenly all the problems have resolved themselves and that could be that they're a point yeah. where in their minds they've actually could, made yeah. a plan could i come in on that one of course. Absolutely. I, i've um i've personally experienced of someone um, became unusually happy and yeah. uh, unfortunately at that time I didn't know that that was a sign and um, very sadly lost that person to suicide so that is a you know it's a, a sign that a lot of people don't don't pick yeah. up and I, I didn't pick it up yeah. uh, it's not one that I knew about at that time it's it's something that mm -hmm. um, I struggle with that I, I missed it but uh, you know, something that I do want to sort of highlight that mm -hmm. is a sign to look out for if someone suddenly recovers and 
is looking better than the normal self because it could be a warning mm. sign not necessarily no. but people do recover and I promote recovery um, so uh, it's just if it's a sudden recovery it, you know, particularly a sudden recovery that is a real warning sign it, it might be that just friends and family are so relieved that they're showing signs of getting better that they could choose to latch onto that rather than yeah potentially yeah. thinking that, that it's the, a sign of something worse that's that's right yeah yeah so that is that, that is a sign but you know there's all sorts of things that on the other scale you know there's people becoming less interested in activities that they normally do mm -hmm. becoming uh, more unkempt less, less um, involved in personal hygiene and uh, it's uh, Withdrawn, um, not not going to work, um, all sorts of different signs. So, just not being their normal self. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't mean that they're um, necessarily becoming suicidal. It, you know, it could be just their mental health deteriorating. But any deterioration of mental health can um, cascade. Um, so, it, one thing that I always um, preach my role is su suicide prevention um, so it's being proactive rather than reactive so um, yes we do need to uh, help people when they get into crisis stage mm -hmm. but if we can be proactive um, uh, so when we first see someone's mental health deteriorating there's a lot more we can do for that person um, so if that person isn't actually suicidal you know the fact that the mental health is deteriorating yeah. still means that we want to help that person and get them onto the road to recover as soon as possible and i think just adding to that in regards to you know family friends and members i think gut instinct as well is really um something that we should always follow it's yes it, it's normally right um, and I think if you've got any doubts at all, the key here is to check in with them and have that conversation. And one of the myths I'd just like to dispel here is talking about suicide to someone who won't plant the idea in their mind. Yeah. Um, nothing that you know isn't already there. So that it is a myth to you know to, to be to be worried really that you know you might be planting something there you you won't be. And I think it's important that we take all talk of suicide seriously. Yeah. I'd like to add to that as well that if someone is talking about suicide, don't um, don't assume that's keeping them safe. That is a very real warning sign that if someone is actively using phrases that may make you think that they're thinking of suicide, have that conversation because that could just be the only warning sign that they give. Yeah. I'd also like to add as well just how cruel hindsight can be and that, that how clear hindsight can be as well and if you are reflecting back and looking back and spotting those warning signs afterwards, just recognising that's that's absolutely normal and, and just to recognise that whether that's impacting you reflecting back and seeking support if, if you are finding that in the aftermath of a suicide. Yeah, um, so it's certainly it's, it's talking of asking the question about suicide is quite important um, and uh, don't be afraid to ask the question. Uh, so, uh, if someone discloses that they are feeling mm -hmm. really unwell, then it's okay to say, 
are you thinking about uh, taking your own life, for instance? Um, that is okay um, because we need to pick up on that warning sign. Um, and also, it's uh, uh, important to to be to believe them as well. So quite often people could think, oh, they're just crying wolf, they want attention, they're attention seeking. I've had it myself. Um, it really gets me angry when people go down that route that actually they're attention seeking. No, no. The world is ending, their world is ending. At that time, all they want to do is get rid of the pain. That's what they want to do. It's not necessarily that they want to die, they just want to get rid of the pain. And uh, that's, that's what's going through their mind. So to belittle their cry for help is the worst thing you can do. You know, mm -hmm. Always take it seriously. So um, moving on from your point, Dave, about having that conversation with people, Unfortunately, men have accounted for approximately three quarters of all suicides since the mid-1990s here in the UK. What more do you think can be done to encourage men to speak out about their mental health and prevent their suicide? Or where can they go for support if they feel unable to speak to friends or family? Um, I think celebrities certainly play a part in this. So uh, if we have male celebrities um, talking about their mental health, um, it becomes more okay. Um, it's the it's the male culture, you know. It's a macho culture. Um, I always remember doing a presentation at a police station about uh, suicide, and getting through that macho culture was really really hard. Uh, but at the, by the end of it, I, I had them talking about it. Um, and it's it's cracking that that sort of tough nut. It's it's really hard. Mm. Um, there's organisations like Tough Nut to Care, a really good organisation. Yeah. They play rugby matches. You can't get tougher than that. So <laughs> and, and they, yeah, so it, it, it's rubbing rugby matches and then crying afterwards and saying, Oh god but it, the, the, it, it's genuine, it's genuine. It's yeah. okay to be a rugby player and have mental health problems. So it, um, it's, it's breaking it down. Um, and simple, simple places, yeah. Um, the barbers, that's, that's, yeah. that's men's therapy place. That's, you know, that's where you go to have a chat and uh, offload. And barbers do a great job. They they really sort of break down those barriers. So you know, if if you're a guy and you're struggling, just have a chat to your barber. He'll he'll be happy. He'll <laughs> he'll just say, oh yeah, yeah I, I understand, mate. Yeah, uh, you know, let's have a cup of tea. Uh, so it, it's it's that's another place you can go to. Um, but there's so many. There's Black Country Blokes, they're, they're another organisation um, that um, help with um, men's mental health, so you can get involved in that. Um, and then uh, there's Head for Health, which is all about some 
for Ball Pod's own men's mental health mm-hmm. group. So there's loads of them out there. Yeah. And then my own favourite, because uh, I've literally just come from a woodworking project um, over the weekend, and I'm always mm-hmm. making things with wood, is Men's Shed. Um, there's Men's Shed, uh, which is a place where men, men go and sort of join in and get involved in activities, uh, uh, building activities, mm-hmm. so they may, may be woodwork like myself or metalwork, um, any sort of craft uh, activity um, is, is men's shed and again that's a great place where people will openly talk about their mental health and look after each other, so that's just a few. The only other thing that I would add to that, because I think, I think Dave's covered it really thoroughly there, is just Calm Campaign Against Living Miserably, which is another resource you can su- yeah. support men in your life with. Um, website, there's a, there's a phone line as well, so that's a great resource to, to have to hand. Even though suicide prevention and mental health is being discussed more positively than ever before, people still feel huge amounts of stigma attached to speaking about how they feel. What would you suggest as a starting point for opening up? Are there any contacts or resources you can recommend, despite what we've already talked about, um, for anyone feeling overwhelmed with where to start? My own initial thought would be we've got our own 24-7 helpline. One thing that I've always been passionate about is that someone that um, has a bipolar mental health condition Mm -hmm. and... uh, I've often struggled to find the right service for me and I've been bombarded with numbers here, there and everywhere and I've not known, is this right for me? If I live here, can I access that service, etc. So I've always wanted a one-stop shop. Well, we've got one now. It's a 24-7 helpline. So um, if you contact the 24-7 helpline, they will talk to you about um, your issues and then they'll Mm -hmm. signpost you or divert you through to the relevant service Um, so to me start the 24-7 helpline and it's not just NHS services they'll divert you to don't worry because I I know some people have bad experiences of NHS services and I, I know I've worked for the NHS and and I've had the bad experiences myself, so um, it, it's not just the NHS services. They're worried about that. They can be diverted to non-NHS services, mm-hmm. um, third sector, um, community services, yeah. faith services, um, uh, which is another pl- area if you want to talk about your mental health, if you're struggling, is, is faith. Um, sort of religious organisations mm-hmm. um, so it's uh, t- to me uh, the 24-7 helpline is really good and it's also it's it's managed by Rethink which is uh, a mental health charity not, not an NHS uh, organisation so uh, it, it's just that bridge between NHS and non-NHS and it's, it covers everything so it, it covers all services so that would be my starting point yeah. Yeah. 
Excellent. I think just, just to add to that, there are so many re good resources out there. Um, just wanted to mention Papyrus because they've got a support line if you're mm -hmm. in crisis or you're supporting someone in crisis um, and you just need to, to just speak to someone. Silver Line covers um, older people who might be experiencing yeah. mental health crisis um, and obviously we've got um, people like Samaritans and Mind but one of the resources that we often um, sort of you know recommend is docready.org. Um, um, and that's something that you could sort of use with someone. It can be a difficult thing to, difficult subject to talk about, difficult to talk about how you're feeling, um, but GP might be the first port of call. So yeah. this is a document that you can support someone to complete together and to get down how they're feeling when they haven't got sort of that pressure of the doctor, sort yeah. of patient situation. Because um, very often than not, your mind goes blank, you don't know how you're feeling, um, anxiety takes over, etc. This is a really good resource mm -hmm. that you can use to prepare um, for speaking to the doctor. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, I always, uh, if you're going to speak to someone, just make a note yeah. of the point you want to say. I, I've so often blanked, um, absolutely blanked, uh, uh, and it'd be the, the back to the ask twice. Uh, how are you? Oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> 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 and then I get home and I think. Well, actually, I'm not so fine. I forgot to say this. This is so. Yeah, do make a list. Um, so it's always worth making a list. And also, um, take someone who who know, knows you or cares for you to support you. You know, it, that's fine. It's all right to do that. Um, I've I've taken in my wife to the doctors before, um, and. She can talk a hell of a lot more than me, so <laughs> <laughs> so you know the, the points do get 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 made. So it does does help, and she knows things about me that I don't know myself. Yeah. So yeah, if I say I'm struggling, uh, I'm tired all the time. Um, I get lots of hours sleep, for instance. My wife will will say, yeah, he, he get gets eight or nine hours sleep, but he tosses and turns all night. So it's is restless sleep, so you know, knows things about me that I don't. So don't forget to include other people in your life in these conversations. Mm -hmm. no. Absolutely, and I think for, for some people as well, I know for someone close to me that I was supporting um, previous times, that just making notes on his phone was really yeah. useful, just little bullet points or just little reminders on there, um, because he particularly struggles with communication, so that was good for him to just mm -hmm. take that step back well some charities now do text relay services rather than speaking to somebody on the phone if they they struggle with that um i don't know whether you've had any experience with the text services we've got text numbers haven't we i've yeah. not had any experience myself i don't know if uh, if dave has using those services. i haven't used the text services myself but i i, I do know they're really helpful um what I do use is is email. So um, sometimes I talk to my support um, clinicians via email yeah. because I actually struggle on the phone. Mm -hmm. I, I, I go to pieces as soon as I see a phone. I go to pieces and uh, it's a blank. You go blank. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to, to, for me to um, use an email. Um, and also, quite often, if you go on the phone you don't go directly to the person that you want to speak to and that phases me yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's 
um, the text services, although I haven't used them myself, I think would be really good, which brings me on to another um, point. And um, one of the services that the 24-7 helpline may divert you to is the sanctuary hubs. Um, the sanctuary hubs are a place um, that people can go to if they're sort of um, feeling anxious or, or in crisis um, out of hours um, and they're really really good there's one in each of the black country boroughs so there's mm -hmm. uh, one in Wolverhampton, Dudley, Sandwell and uh, Walsall um, and you can either contact them by phone or you can actually uh, drop in walk, walk into them yeah. as well so that is something worth no noting and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure some or all of the sanctuary hubs um, do text services as well so um, it's, it's quite yeah, that I think that text services is good and plus uh, a lot of people don't have much credit on the phones so uh, a text you know most people get a lot of text free so text services are a cheaper way yeah. of um, contacting as well so and it's access. I think it, that, yeah. that's the important part. It's very being able to support in various ways, so yeah. that it's completely accessible to anybody and everybody, which that covers, doesn't it? So that's great. You touched on this a little bit earlier, Dave, um, with male celebrities. Um, last year, Boris Johnson appointed ex-Love Islander and fellow NHS worker Dr. Alex George as UK Youth Mental Health Ambassador after the loss of his younger brother Leah to suicide. He has since spoken quite openly about his brother's death and his ambitions for youth mental health reform to the press and on his social platforms. What significance do you think celebrities or public personalities speaking out about suicide has on its prevention? I think it's invaluable, as I've already said. Um, I mean, the whole thing with Ask Twice really hit home when Roman Kemp did a documentary mm -hmm. on uh, suicide. Um, and he, he lost a good friend to suicide and he had no idea that yeah. his uh, friend was uh, suicidal and he went around and interviewed people who, who had lost friends to suicide and uh, there's one part where he interviewed some um, young men in Northern Ireland I think and what they were using was the Ask Twice and again they didn't know that their friends were suicidal before they um, unfortunately lost their lives um, and they were told about the Ask Twice and they now ask each other mm -hmm. twice and that really hit home with me yeah. which is why I, I want to promote it so much in the black country um, and we'll be sort of promoting a lot at our event on the 10th of mm -hmm. September um, and uh, that's the power of a celebrity you know he's been through that but he he, he went through it and he thought I want to do something about it yeah. and he's you know he, he was in a situation to do do something about it and there's a lot of celebrities that 
I'll, I'll like him that do actually want to do something about mm -hmm. it. There's a lot more sporting celebrities that are, that are out there. Tennis player Osaka, mm -hmm. she openly speaks about her mental health now. She's such a good role model for actually tackling yeah. uh, men mental health. So it, it, it's just uh, uh, invaluable because so many people relate to celebrities. Mm -hmm. um, so that message is 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 important. Yeah. I tend to agree with Dave there wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, I think that celebrities and, and a public personality speaking out about their experiences really encourages others to do the same. I think mm -hmm. that's really important. And I think it gives an important message to say that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And there is help out there. Um, and it's okay to reach out for support and ask for that help. And I think that's got to um, be a positive thing with regards to contributing to suicide prevention. For anyone who has survived a suicide attempt, um, what guidance would you give to support their recovery journey? Is there advice and support out there for their loved ones too, who will also be deeply affected? I'd say it's important to seek help for the support, <coughs> um, as those who attempt and do not die by suicide are at increased risk of further mm -hmm. attempts if they are left unsupported. Um, and that includes a support network too, because a suicide attempt does impact the whole support network, yeah. um, whether that person survives or, or dies, and it's important to recognise that the carers need that support too, there's loved ones around them. And there's lots of ways and lots of supports that we've already mentioned can be really helpful, mm -hmm. but just not being, being afraid to just seek, seek out local support, seeing what's in your area, and whether that's support lines, if there's support groups, um, finding a support network of your own through, through people you trust and, and, and can open up to. Um, Maybe there might even be support through work, through employee assistance programmes, talking to GP. Mm -hmm. um, and there's even apps such as the Stay Alive app, which can be really helpful for someone who is at risk of suicidal crisis. Um, just if they feel that they're in that position again, where they are having thoughts of suicide yeah. creeping back in, they've got the app to help keep them safe and well, and also help those loved loved ones around the individual have that support in those moments. Yeah. My advice is um, that actually there is there is hope, and you you um, can come through the difficult times. Mm -hmm. um, I've I'm so pleased that I survived suicide, and now I'm leading a really ha happy, productive life. Um, and what seemed like insurmountable problems to me at that time with help and support were overcome and they they um, broken down just in small pieces mm -hmm. you don't have to tackle all the problems in one go just break them down in small pieces and that um, you can get there and as I say the peer support can find that peer support from other people that are going through the same things that really helps um, so I, I really truly you know I do emphasize yeah you, you know you've been given a, given a second chance um, and actually yeah, you know, grasp it with both hands and take it because 
there's so much to live for and you think about uh, all those things that you, you want to live for you know mm. think about your friends and family think how much you mean to them I actually felt worthless and I felt that my friends and family were better off without me that is so much a common thing with people that are suicidal it's actually not the case mm -hmm. they're not better off without you they're, you know, they're a lot worse off without you so think about how much you mean to them and use that to spur on your recovery and uh, see what how other people mm -hmm. recovered and learn from other people on their own recovery journeys share that journey with other people and above all agree with that, that that hope is such a powerful word and I think it's about consistent reminding you know um, the person that you know that there is hope and it is a journey as you say it's a journey of recovery so there can be tough days and I think it's about being reminded that you know you haven't gone back to the beginning of that journey there's little bumps in the road yeah. one of the resources that we found has been useful in the past has been a wrap a wellness recovery action plan that you can sort of develop together loved ones can work on that with you um, and with the person um, you can refer to that I think and see how far you have come and the goals that you've achieved and what you've achieved but obviously it's dependent on where that person is on their journey yeah. um, as to when you would sort of introduce that but that can be, be something else that can be quite useful um, to utilise and sort of set yourself little goals and, and as David said small chunks small steps yeah. one at a time yeah, um, as far as recovery plans there's a key thing called a safety plan that I, you know, I would recommend everyone uh, do. Um, safety plans are something that um, should be used with anyone that has any sort of mental health issues at all. It doesn't mean that they have to be suicidal to write a safety plan. And in that safety plan you have key things like reasons for living, so yeah. which I discussed earlier and also um, people that you can contact when you're feeling uh, suicidal, um, professionals that you can contact when you're feeling suicidal, emergency services, mm -hmm. etc. Um, and things that make you feel better, so activities that make you feel better that um, can be included in that safety plan. So uh, the safety plan is proven to Reduce suicides. Um, so, if you can, if you can, do a safety plan, mm -hmm. and uh, certainly there's there's people that will help you write a safety plan. Yeah. It should be written in your own words, uh, but people will help you with that as well. Brilliant. Um, we've had a lot of great uh, support and guidance from you guys uh, today. But what is the most poignant bit of suicide prevention guidance or support that you have heard? It can be from a friend, suicide survivor, doctor, TV personality, anybody you want. For me there's two. Um, don't be afraid to reach into that person because they can no longer reach out. And I think hope, recovery is possible in life.
I would say that um, thoughts of suicide are common, but they don't have to be acted on. With time, they will pass, so it's a way of finding ways to stay, stay safe until they do. Um, mine, uh, trying to think, there's so much, so much, <laughs> so much has gone, gone through. Um, I really do think that um, the key bit of advice is is um, is that hope. There's always hope. Um, the trouble is when you're suicidal, you cannot see hope at all. Uh, when you're in the depths of uh, despair and suicidal. Someone saying hope can al al almost taunt you. Can almost, you know, yeah, right. It, yeah, you may have hope. You're all right. But no, I've been there, and I wasn't all right. And I've come through it, and now I'm living a really happy life, helping other people. Mm -hmm. And me hope is all, always there so in the darkness it's sometimes hard to see the light um, but if you if you need to be able to see that light and you're struggling then don't be afraid to ask someone mm. to help you find that light yeah and that's my biggest piece of advice don't be afraid to ask someone for that help it's hard to ask you know, but if you do ask um, then that's a starting point to finding that light and ultimately hope mm -hmm. uh, finally if you could say one thing to someone who is in crisis or has suicidal thoughts at this moment in time uh, what would it be I would say that it's a huge decision to make and it isn't a decision you need to make right now. So take some time out and find someone to talk to about it, whoever you trust. There are people out there who care and want to help with support. Things can and will get better. I'd agree with, with Emma there. Um, and concentrate on keeping that person safe for now whilst you look and explore the options yeah. with them. Just keep safe, don't act rashly, um, give it a chance. Um, unfortunately, suicide can be spontaneous um, and just don't, don't do it. Just keep, keep safe, talk to someone. Mm. It doesn't matter anyone, just talk to someone um, and get through that that initial phase where you're struggling and then uh, from there the recovery journey can start. Mm -hmm. That brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and for taking time out to speak about suicide prevention and mental health support. If anyone listening has found this subject insightful and wants to learn more, remember we have our Help and Hope event this Friday, September 10th at 10am. You can look out for the link in the description and on our social media channels at Black Country Healthcare. Make sure to tune in to next month's Mind Over Natter episode for lots more information.